Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. been a while. I don't remember the last time I was here. I know it was last year. You know, I know it was last year, but it's, it's good, to, good to be back. Um, any uh, married people in the house of the Lord today? Raise your hand. It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. It's a, you know, we bear the marks. We bear the marks. Um, later this year, my wife and I are going to celebrate 25 years of marriage. That's, that's, that's a silver... And that's a long time, man. I remember when I was younger and people would celebrate 25 years, I thought, man, those people are old. Well, I guess I'm in that category right now. Um, including our dating time, you know, we've spent 30 of our 45 years together. I'm 45 years old, and I have spent 30 years with my wife. I often joke with her. And I tell her that she's been in a Costa longer than she was ever a Perez. Her maiden name was Perez. So I thought, you've been in a Costa longer than you were ever a Perez. It's like when you were born, God gave you your last name just to have it for a little while because you were always going to be mine. Sounds cute, but I actually mean it like she's mine. Like she's mine. Like God intended for her to be one with me and bear my name. That's a long time to be with somebody. So long that oftentimes when we're having a conversation, not necessarily an argument, but it also applies, she or I would say something and it would be followed up by, I knew you were going to say that. Has that happened to anybody here in conversations with loved ones or spouses where you say, I knew you were going to say that? Over the years, there's a sense of predictability in marriage. And some people find that boring, but boring and predictability are not the same things. Boring is boring. Predictability just tells you that because of your experience with this person, you kind of know what they're going to do, what they're going to say, how they're going to act, how they're going to react. For the most part, most of our long-term relationships carry with them a sense of predictability. Can we agree on that this morning? They carry with them a sense of predictability. Now, we've come to the point in our lives, in our relationships, where we have a good idea how our spouses are going to respond. Right? Don't, don't you know how your spouse is going to respond? You know, uh, before this quarantine started, um, I realized how difficult it is for my wife to go to a particular store and not go crazy spending money. I had never walked into Hobby Lobby. But we did some remodeling in our patio, and my wife has the inside of the house, but she allowed me, yes, she allowed me, to decorate the patio to my choosing. 
So I kind of wanted to do like a, like a nautical theme. I love the ocean, right, Tito? We lo- we lo- we're men who love the ocean. And uh, she said to me, listen, Hobby Lobby, just giving you a suggestion, is filled with stuff you're looking for. I walked into that store. I went nuts. I started to put stuff into the cart. And when I got to the register, there were so many things there that apparently there were just coupons and percentages off that the girl at the register, she just, she was there for a while. And she knew what she was doing. I had no idea how much this was going to cost me. I just started picking up things. I saw 40% off, 50% off. I thought, that's a deal. When she gave me the total, I about freaked out. When I got, when I left that store, I'm thinking to myself, oh my, what, what is my wife going to say to me? Because I always tell her, you know, stay within a certain price range. I tripled it in one trip. And I'm thinking, what is my wife? How is she going to react? So much so that for the first time in my life, I actually didn't tell my wife how much I spent. But she knew because when I got home, she says, there's a lot of stuff here. Finally, after a couple days, I just I said, listen, I, I spent a lot of money. And I want to tell you that now I understand the discipline you have when you go to the store. And she asked me, how much did you spend? And I told her, she said, Javi, that's a lot of money. And I said, listen, I'm telling you because, you know, I just, I, I didn't want to hold anything back from you. But also, I want to go back. I'm not done. And this time I went knowing that I was going to spend more money. And the second time I went, I spent more than the first. And I showed her how unpredictable I am at times. Because to walk into a store and go nuts like that, that's, that's not my style. And I thought to myself, man, she has... She has some discipline when she, when she walks into this place because I just walked in here and showed absolutely no restraint. I actually told myself, you can't go back to that store. I said the first time ever again, but I thought after a while. And it's been a while because since all this happened, I haven't been back. So I think I'm due to go back. In our relationships, in our earthly relationships... There is a sense of predictability where we know how our spouse is going to respond, what they may or may not do. If you're a parent here, any parents? You know what your child is going to do, don't you? When you tell your child, don't do this, you're telling them don't do this, but you know what? You know they're going to do it. Unfortunately, most kids know or learn by doing not solely because they were told not to we know what our children are going to do we know many times what those people we've known for a long time how they're going to respond how they're going to react for the most part we know what to expect at home like i know what to expect at home i don't expect any surprises at home For the most part, we know what to expect at work. 
And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you kind of know what to expect at church, right? You come through those doors, you know, you're going to sing some songs, you're going to give to the Lord, you're going to hear a message. Right? But somehow, somewhere, at some time during our journey and our walk with the Lord, many of us lose sight. There's times when we forget, when we ignore the fact that although many of our aspects, most of our relationships are predictable, we belong to an unpredictable God. Can anybody acknowledge that here this morning? Can you say it here this morning, here and at home? I belong to an unpredictable God. Can you state that fact in your heart and with your mouth this morning? I belong to an unpredictable God. That means that we belong to a God who cannot be controlled. Much less manipulated into fitting into our agenda, our politics, or even our culture. I'm amazed at how people who believe, rather than conforming to God, try to take God and fit Him into their life. They take God and try to fit Him into their agenda. They take God and try to fit Him into their politics. They take God and try to fit him into their culture. God does not fit into these things. God has a standard. It's his standard. God has a kingdom. It is his kingdom. God is in control. How many of you know that? And at our best... At our best, for a moment, I want you to consider your best moment in the Lord. At your best, you only see in part of what God is doing. Only see a little part. You see a glimpse of what God is doing. You know, there's a scripture, and you know, as I was preparing, I, I wanted to see which direction to go this morning. And your pastor actually quoted this scripture last week. It's Hebrews 13.8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same. You, do you remember the rest of that verse? Is what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Very well-known scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you cannot take those two words the same. Can you say that this morning? The same. You cannot take those two words the same and associate them with something temporal, like the same meal. Can you imagine eating the same meal every day? I love pizza. I like to think that I could eat pizza every day of my life. But the truth is, I'm not going to be able to do that. Or the same clothes. Can you imagine wearing the same clothes every day, right? The same ladies' outfit. 
every day? That would get what? That would get boring, wouldn't it? The truth is, we read that many times and we think Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And we associate it with something temporal. Like something we can see, something we can associate with. We hear the same and it sounds mundane. It sounds the same. And then we hear Jesus is the same. And we associate Jesus to eating arroz con frijoles every day of our lives. Right? Because the Bible is saying that Jesus is the what? The same. But the reality is that that's a poor translation from the Greek. The literal translation would read, does read, Jesus is himself yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I want you to be honest. Doesn't that change things for you? Raise your hand if you can acknowledge that that changes. It does. Because when we hear the same, what do we do? We, we make a connection with temporal things, with things that we what? That we understand. With things that we know. But the writer of Hebrews is writing, Jesus Christ is himself. Yesterday, today, and forever. That blew me away. Because when I hear the same, I think about the same things that eventually I will grow tired of. And you may not want to admit it, and maybe it's not you. But you would be pretty naive to think that nobody gets tired of God. That nobody lowers the, the standard of reverence that they have towards God. That nobody ever grows cold in their love for God. That nobody ever enters into a stage of stagnation in their life. I mean, maybe you're the only church. Maybe the nest is the only place where that stuff never happens. But the next time you read that scripture, please understand what you're reading when it says the same. It means Jesus is himself yesterday, today, and forever. To say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever does not imply predictability. And although God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit does not change... Right? They don't change. They are who they are. Tell me if you can agree with this. That both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit choose to express themselves in different ways in your life. Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Chooses to express himself in new ways. 
How about unexpected ways? Has God ever taken you by surprise? Raise your hand if God's ever taken you by surprise. He's taken us by surprise, but he is himself. Yesterday, today, and forever. And to further prove that God chooses to express himself in new, different, and unexpected ways, remember what Lamentation says. For his mercies and compassions are what? The same every day? Is that what your Bible says? His mercies are the same every day? They're what? They're new every morning. The mercies of God are new every morning. Are they new to him? No. They're not new to him because he is himself yesterday, today, and forever. They're new to who? They're new to me. They're new to you. So God chooses to express himself in different, new, and at times unexpected ways. But I also want to let you know that there are there are aspects of God that are expected. Dare I say predictable. I just told you a second ago that we belong to an unpredictable God. But I also want to let you know that there are aspects of God that are predictable. His goodness. Can you count on his goodness? Raise your hand if you can count on his goodness. That's a predictable. God's faithfulness. Has God proven himself to be faithful? I can predict that God will be good to me. I can predict that God would be faithful to me. How about the holiness of God? Can you predict that? That doesn't, that, that's, that's there, that's predictable. God's not going to lower the standard of his holiness. Much rather, the grace of God is going to elevate us to meet the requirements of his holiness. Although God is the same because he hasn't changed. The truth is we don't know enough about God to determine in advance how he's going to orchestrate a moment or prepare a particular event or situation. I don't know enough about God to know what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, and how he's going to do it, much less why God is going to do that. Can any Christians here today say, me either? How many of you remember the story of the woman that the Gospels write about, the woman with the flow of blood? Raise your hand if you remember the, the story of the woman with the flow of blood. Right? What, what a story, right? We often speak about her faith. Raise your hand if you were blessed by her faith, by that woman's faith. Right? I mean, who would it? How about her perseverance? Were you blessed by her perseverance? How about the dedication that woman showed? There's even songs have been written about that moment, that day, that time in history, about that woman. Songs have been written about that woman. I wonder what songs are going to be written about me when I... Probably not a one, but there's one in heaven. The Bible says it's a new song. So I'm going to have a song. This is going to be my song. Maybe this, it's important to me. But wouldn't it be great if somebody wrote a song about your life? I wonder how Tito's song would go. 
Probably like my brother's, pretty abstract, all over the place. <laughs> Safe to say that, Tito? That woman had some faith. If you remember, her story wasn't the only story of that day. Do you remember that? When you read that portion? Her story is shared along with Jairus' story and his petition for Jesus to heal his dying daughter. Do you remember that guy now? The guy who went to Jesus and he said, listen, uh, my daughter's dying. They each had a need. But they each approached Jesus in two totally different ways. The Bible says that there was a, a crowd surrounding Jesus. But somehow, Jairus was able to find his way to Jesus. I would imagine that when the people saw Jairus coming because he was an important man, the, the crowd kind of opened up because he was able to access Jesus. Jairus prayed. He requested permission and he even made an appointment with Jesus. Do you remember what he said? He said, hey, would you come to my house and pray for my daughter? Do you remember that? And Jesus accepted the appointment. The woman's miracle came as Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. The woman whose name is not mentioned. How many of you were blessed by her plan? Raise your hand if you were blessed by her plan. What did she say? She said, if only. If only I could what? Touch the hem of his garment. How many of you have ever, have ever thought that? If, if, if I could just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment. Have you ever said that? I've said that. It's not, no, no shame in that. That's a crazy plan. Like we say that now because what? Because she said it. But think about that for a second. That woman said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. The equivalent of saying, if, if I can just touch the strap of his sandal. Like that song doesn't mean the same, right? If I just, it doesn't, hem of his garment, the strap of his sandal. Something crazy like that. Where was the precedent in that? Who else had said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment? The woman's plan was crazy. We know the outcome of what happened, but can you imagine being that woman's confidant, that woman's friend? And after years of trying to take care of her issue, Going to doctors, doing everything she was supposed to do, everything she could do, the Bible says she got better or worse? She got worse. Can you imagine hearing out her plan? That woman saying, listen, I got a plan. For 12 years I've been suffering. For 12 years I've been going to doctors and I'm only getting worse. There's this man that they call Jesus and he's been doing some unbelievable things. And I heard that he was coming to town. So what's your plan? 
No, no, he, he's gone and, and he's laid hands on people. He's raised the dead. Everybody who he comes in contact with, great things are happening. What's your plan? I'm just going to touch the edge of his robe. woman make an appointment with this man go see him ask him to pray for you no no, no, no. I just need to touch the hem of his garment like what would you say to, to somebody who tells you that you say, this person's lost their mind this person has lost it certifiably nuts but she had a plan and I want to let you know that her plan not only broke custom, it broke law. Because the law says that somebody with a flow of blood is clean or unclean? Unclean. Technically, could she touch Jesus? Her plan did not only, her plan not only didn't make sense, it was contrary to the law of God. Have you ever thought about that when you're reading that? No. Why? Because you know the end result. But her plan was an insane plan. It broke the law. It broke custom. And you know what she actually did? Tito, do you know what that woman did? She stole from Jesus. But you've never thought about that either. What did Jesus say when she touched him? Power has gone from me. Do you know what the definition of steal is? To take without permission or right. Did she have permission to receive his power? No, Betsy, right? Did she have the right to that power? What did she do? She stole power from him. She hurtled over Jairus' request. She showed no patience. She showed no decor. This is still the same woman who has blessed us. Raise your hand if that woman's life still blesses you. But let's look at what happened. She hurtled over Jairus' need and over his miracle. And Luke says that when Jesus turned around and he said, Who touched me? His disciples said, What do you mean who touched you? There's a tumult of people. Everybody, everybody is up against you. They weren't, they weren't observing social distance. Everybody is up around you and you ask who touched you? No, no, no. Somebody touched me with purpose. Do you know what Luke said? That they started looking around, they started asking, imagine that woman at that moment. Because Mark says that immediately the flow of blood stopped. Immediately. They started asking, and I would imagine in, in, in that circle that was close to him, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? 
they finally got to her and Luke says that she denied it. Not only did she steal from Jesus, not only did she break custom and law when asked about what she did after her miracle, after the flow of blood stopped, what did she do? You can say it. What did she do? She lied. She denied it. What did Jesus do after all that? He honored her insane plan. He looked past her dismissal of religious observance. And he said to her, daughter. Many times when Jesus was speaking to women, how did he refer to them? Woman, right? Woman. What does he say to this woman? The woman who stole his power. The woman who interrupted his plans. The woman who broke law and custom. What does he say to her? Daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your affliction. Now we know the end result of that story. But if I would have given you the details prior to you knowing the end result of that story. Do you think Jesus would have reacted the way he reacted? I don't. Like if you, would, if you were to tell me, let me tell you what happened. And you give me all the facts about the story. There's no way that I, my conclusion is going to be. Jesus said to her. Daughter. Your faith has made you well. To me that speaks, speaks about. How unpredictable Jesus was. How unpredictable Jesus still is. Because it fails to say Jesus is the same. It's better said Jesus is himself. Yesterday. Today. And forever. Because we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know how he's going to respond. And what I want you to grasp today is the fact that we've been chosen to know God. We've been called to know God, to experience God, to encounter God, as it was said while we were worshiping, to have a moment with God. And that God is an unpredictable God, a God that cannot be contained, a God that will not be manipulated, a God that is himself yesterday, today, and forever, and a God who chooses to express himself in new, unexpected ways every day of our life. To know God. To truly experience him. Not to recite religious phrases. Do you know that I, 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 I'm sure I probably said that here. I hate Christian cliches. We live in a, in, in a day and age where Christians are, are programmed to recite 
religious phrases as if those religious phrases were fresh, anointed words from God. I, I love the way Bishop David Barlock puts it. He puts it that pulpits are filled with people who spew out syrupy sayings. Just these, these sayings that, 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 that taste, that, that smell of syrup. These, these phrases that are so easily received, that are so catchy. That's not what it is to know God. I'm, I'm not saying those things are wrong per se, but that's not what it is to know God. You can recite religious phrases all you want. That doesn't mean you're experiencing God. We've been called to know God, to sincerely experience Him, and to choose Him on a daily basis. How many of you have ever gone through a stage in your life where you have to choose God on a daily basis and it's not always the easiest choice to make? That's what it is to know God. To decide to put Christ on. To know God. To authentically experience Him in every aspect of life. Not to take God and fit him into your daily routine. That's not what we've been called to do. We've been called to experience him authentically in every aspect of our life. To know God. To faithfully experience him as he increases and we decrease. To know God. To correctly experience him in every relationship we possess there's people that will know you in different ways but everybody who knows you should know that you belong to God right people are going to know you in different ways but everybody who knows you should know that you belong to God it should be to no surprise to them that your life has been surrendered to Jesus Christ. And if it is a surprise to them, you're doing yourself, your faith, and the sacrifice of Christ a huge disservice. Amaze how Christians, I, I, I don't talk to them, I, they don't know. My relationship with God is private. Really? Where, where? What pattern do you see that in Scripture? That your relationship with God is a private thing. Private and personal. Where, where do you see that in Scripture? But that's what our culture has accepted and is okay with. That's anti-Christ. Because what you see in scripture is that when people had an, an encounter with God, the first thing they did was desire him to come to their home so that everybody they knew would find out. When people were healed, when a miracle took place in their life, the first thing they did was go to theirs and share what Christ has done. Nowadays, we just want to take that, that, that little Jesus, you know, that... That, that Savior. 
that, that, that personal savior that we think is our personal servant and we just want to take him and just put him in our pocket so when we appear in eternity we can say wait 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 a second Here, here's my Jesus card because I, I said a prayer and I went to church and I gave some money and I, I was good at playing an instrument and I did that every week do you know how many people whose line that is are going to hear depart from me? Because I don't know you. In these days, especially in these days, the people who know God, they're going to rise to the top. The people who know God, their lives are going to have an impact on the people that don't. And those people who've compartmentalized their relationship with God, who have made their relationship with Jesus personal and, and private, just, that's right. When I hear people say, Diosito. Man, that's not the God of eternity. The God of eternity can't be put in a box, can't be put in an area of your life, in an area of need, and say, Lord, just, just do what you need to do. We think that, you know, anybody here have the Roomba? What an amazing. That thing changed my wife's life. I think it's Jesus, Javi, the Roomba. Well, the kids, the kids. The Roomba's, Roomba's top five. Roomba is top five. You can open up your phone and tell the Roomba, go clean the kitchen. Not, not the bedrooms. The, the bedrooms are a bit of a mess. But people are coming over. Just go clean the kitchen. And people think they can do that with the Lord. Oh, I, I need the Lord. I know I need my wife. My wife needs the Lord. Lord, fix my wife. Fix my marriage so I can live, live in peace. Just fix my marriage. And the Lord comes in and he's ready to clean house. And people are, no, 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 no. Not the whole house. My, my wife, my kids, they, they all need God. You know? I'm, I'm good. Just I want them to be better for me. Make it easier for me to live my life and do what I want to do. You cannot compartmentalize God if you're knowing who God is. We've been called to know God, to fully experience Him, and not just seek Him when we need something from Him. To know God, to reverently experience Him and not view church as merely a building that holds religious services. But instead, see this place to see church for what it is. This is the place where he dwells. The place where he says, let's meet there. That's why it's important to be here. Together. To know God. To genuinely experience him. His fullness. Instead of trying to fit him into our lives. God is not the missing piece to your life. He is life. God will not be fit into your life. Instead, he requires you to...
to surrender your life to him as a living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 1, chapter, tw- uh, chapter 1, verse 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. This is nuts if you think about it. Paul is saying that the message of the cross is what? Because it is to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But here he's generalizing the message. And he says that the message is what? Foolishness. And it pleased God. It brought pleasure to God. That the message. That the foolishness of the message. Would save those who believe. The first part of that scripture says. For since in the wisdom of God. In the intellect. In the savviness of God. The world through wisdom. In God's wisdom. He decided that the world through wisdom would not know God. Did you catch that? In his wisdom, he made it so, so that you and I cannot know God through wisdom. Now that doesn't mean check your intellect at the door. Check your smarts at the door. Doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that the way you're going to know God, the way you're going to rather believe God, is through personal experience. It will not be through intellect. Your intellect could cause some spiritual growth in your life. But you've been called to know God, to experience God, because God made it so that you cannot know Him through this has to be here it has to be through personal experience we know God we experience him not through wisdom but through belief believing the message of the cross the savior his life his death and his resurrection believing in his plan to redeem us and to reconcile us to the father that's what people need to hear and they need to hear it from people Who've known God. People whose lives have been transformed by an unpredictable God. I'm going to close with this scripture and I invite you to stand with me this morning. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Paul says here but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God that's a fact for they are foolishness to him there's that word again 
nor can he what? Know them. I've been talking a lot about knowing God. The natural man cannot receive the things of God. The natural man cannot know the things of God. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned, Paul says. I'll read it again. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Do you know that that natural man can come to Christ? I mean, we were all natural at one point, weren't we? So can the natural man come to Christ? Yes. The natural man can come to Christ. Can the natural man receive forgiveness of sin? Yes. The natural man can come to Christ. The natural man can receive forgiveness of sin. But, you knew there was a but coming. If you know me, you knew there was a but coming here. Did you know it? Did you know it? Of course, there's a but coming here. The natural man can come to Christ. The natural man can receive forgiveness of sin. But there is a great divide between receiving forgiveness and receiving the other things of God. Is forgiveness from God? Yes. But Paul says that the natural man can receive or cannot receive the things of God. Cannot receive the things of God. You see... Forgiveness can be received by the natural man, but there are so many other things that God has for us. How many of you can acknowledge that forgiveness is the greatest thing you've ever received? But how many of you can also acknowledge that forgiveness alone, forgiveness alone is not enough to get me into eternity and to be the man that God has called me to be? I'm being honest with you today. God's forgiveness is the greatest thing one of the greatest things I've ever experienced. His forgiveness alone is not enough to make you the person he's designed for you to be because there are so many other things that God has for you. Forgiveness separates me from my past it breaks those chains. It's an incredible thing. But there's so many other things that God has for his people. And the natural man can receive forgiveness of sin. But there's such a great divide between forgiveness and receiving the things of God. And even a greater divide in knowing those things. In experiencing those things and making those things manifest to others. That's what this life is about. This life is not only about me receiving forgiveness. It's about me being a living testimony, a vessel for honor to manifest who God is to other people. Listen, there's a generation of Christians who've received forgiveness. And are poor when it comes to the other things of God. There's people sitting in churches throughout our nation and this world who've received forgiveness. I'm not saying they're, they're not forgiven. I'm not saying they're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. Are you content with just not going to hell? <laughs> Listen, not going to hell is something that, that's so far, so far behind me. 
I, I, I don't want to say I never think about hell, but I rarely think about hell. I'm more concerned about heaven. People who've received forgiveness and are poor when it comes to the other things of God. Why? Because those things need to be spiritually discerned. How do you spiritually discern those things? By knowing God. This is not rocket science. I didn't, I didn't come here today to blow your mind away with some new truth. I'm here to tell you, know God. I'm closing with this. I know I said that before, but now I'm ending. I said I want to close. Now I'm, now I'm closing. Our knowledge of God is based on our experiences with God. I want to remind you what Job said. Do you remember Job with everything he went through? Oh. Like I, I've heard people's experiences, man, and my heart breaks. I've seen people's lives and and in their brokenness, how God uses them and glorifies himself through them amazes me. I've seen people go through things that I say, wow, only the grace of God. That being said, I've never seen anybody go through what Job went through. My God. Every time you're feeling really bad about yourself, open the book of Job. You're going to realize, man, that guy had it worse than me. When it was all said and done, this is what he said to the Lord. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. You remember what he said after that? But now my eyes see you. That's a man who knew God. That's a man that even when his wife said, curse God and die, he said, I can't. I can't because I have been separated to an unpredictable God and my, my desire is to know him to know the things he has for me and I ask you is that your desire today is that what drives you is that what pushes you today to know God I hope it is I hope that today I have stirred up that desire to know God and if knowing God takes you to the to the brink of unpredictability for your own life let it take you maybe that that desire God has placed on your heart as crazy as it sounds it just might work because that woman with that let me touch the hem of his garment that is nuts yet that's what God chose to bring that woman in to heal her and Jesus to say to her daughter all is well. Enjoy your healing. That's the God that we've been called to know and to experience every day of our life. So I say to you today, know God. Experience Him. Your experiences with Him is what's going to carry you through this life. It doesn't take a lifetime to experience God. It takes all of eternity. That's why we're going to go from this life to the next. Experiencing Him. I'm looking forward to that. How many of you are looking forward to that? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for those who have gathered here today, those who have gathered at home, O oh Lord. We've been called, chosen, and loved 
by an unpredictable God. A God who will not be fit into our life. A God who will not be manipulated into taking care of our problems and our circumstances. We've been called by a God who will lead us into problems, circumstances, difficulties, trials, persecutions to form the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A God that if he leads us to something, he will take us through it and all the while be glorified. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for your people. I pray for us as a whole that we would know you, that we would experience you, that we would realize that this life is not our own. It belongs to you. You are not our missing piece, oh God. Father, let us know you in the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, oh God, in every aspect, every facet of our life, oh God. May this life truly be yours. Can you present yourself to God right there where you are and say to him, may my life, may this life be yours. Let me know you. Let us know you more along the way. And let us receive the other things you have for us. So many things that you have for us that must be spiritually discerned. And the only way we're going to discern those things is through our experience with you, our walk with you, our desire to continue and not go back. That we would know you fully as you are, learning more about you, O oh God, not for personal gain, for the sake of reconciliation, for ours and for so many people who need you. Let us have an impact for you because we know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Together we say, amen. And amen, and amen. God bless you all. Have a beautiful week. And I don't know what else you have, but you have virtual meetings. I love those virtual gatherings. I love it when you guys posted that. That was really, really good. Really good. Have a blessed week. It was good to see you all. Until next time. Amen.